I would like you to uh, all uh, be on the same page with me in terms of an experience. And uh, I'm going to assume that you've had this experience, but I got two different scenarios to hopefully capture uh, your feeling. And, and feeling is what I want you to, to have. I want you to imagine that you're in a roller coaster. And uh, the roller coaster, as you know, uh, it'll start off nice and slow. The seats are comfortable, and it's just chugging, chug, 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 up the hill. You got, are you guys there? In your mind, are you, are you in the seat? Are you, and you're kind of, it's like reclined. Yeah, I see your hands up in the air. That's good. Uh, so, so here we are. We're in this roller coaster, and, and you know what's going to happen because you've been on these contraptions before. And you come up around the corner, and you, then all of a sudden, you can like have this big panorama of, of view. You can see all around. You're up high. And then all of a sudden, it's like everything drops. <laughs> that, that feeling you have when the drop takes place. That's what you pay the money for. That, that, am I right? You guys, maybe some of you don't like roller coasters. But anyway, uh, just that, and, and this is what sometimes it sounds like. You, you can't really hear this when you're on a roller coaster, but this is what it might sound like. Here, here we go. Something like this. Chug, 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 chug. And then you go. <gasps> I, I would like everyone to try that. Just, just pretend you're on the roller coaster, and I want you to have that, that intake of air that you have. Okay, you ready? On the count of three, one, two, three. And you got to shake the hands, too, kind of like, kinda like a, a, a baby in a high chair all of a sudden thinking that they might fall or something. Uh, so if that doesn't, like, affect you, here's another one. <clears throat> I used to work up in the woods when I was a student. And uh, it was in the summertime when I was not in class. And uh, it was hot down in southern Oregon. And we'd go high up into, into elevations uh, to do different kinds of contracted work, whether it was to uh, build fire trail because I was on a fire crew, or sometimes it's to pile slash, uh, which is the, the remains of where someone has clear cut and you're putting all these piles of brush together to be burned in the fall. But it's hot dusty, dirty work, and there's a lot of perspiration that happens during that time. Often, we would stop at a stream, and uh, the water was there, and it was very cold, because basically, it's just melted snow uh, just coming off the mountains, and, and, and you, you, you hop into the water, same kind of a thing. <gasps> Take your breath away. Do you guys got that feeling? Got, okay, cool. Um, <clears throat> back in my 20s, I was a youth pastor at a little church in northeast Portland. And uh, uh, this was not, an, this is actually a dream that I had. Um, and, it, and it's like the scenario is I am with that youth group and we are at the beach. And uh, be, the beach is a place that we would go often on a retreat. And uh, I was there, it was like a, seemed like it was a Saturday in my dream, and I'm laying on the sand and uh, just enjoying the sunny weather. It was a beautiful day, it was warm, there wasn't much wind, and uh, in my dream, I'm laying there feeling really 
content. Uh, we'd spend time with this youth group, and we were close in our community. Uh, we'd bonded together, and I felt like a, almost a familial connection with those young people. And, and I had a sense that they also felt the same with my wife and I as we're there with them on the beach. Now, this is just a dream. It's not a real thing. But in the midst of my contentment and my relaxation and my repose on the beach... All of a sudden, the environment changed. There, all of a sudden, the sky was, was filled with these rolling clouds. And it's just like, like with great violence, these clouds just kind of came rolling in, kind of like time-lapsed photography you might see in a movie. And these clouds just, just came with great speed. And I sat up, and at first I thought, what is going on? And then I knew what was going on. And I said, it's happening, it's happening. And what I realized and what I felt and understood was happening is that this was the moment that Jesus was returning. You know that feeling. At that moment, I went, <gasps> and then I woke up. <laughs> What a letdown to have that experience and then wake up to my regular everyday life. Uh, that happened uh, back when I was in my 20s, that, uh, that dream, and it's still, uh, still vivid today. And uh, what I'd like to uh, share with you is actually two major passages and a bunch of smaller passages. The main passage the first main passage is in the book of Thessaloni Thessalonians. <laughs> yeah, I went to seminary. Thessalonians <laughs> chapter 4. Uh, in Thessalonians chapter 4, uh, Paul is writing about the very thing that in my dream I was experiencing. And uh, I, the book of Thessalonians, most likely, uh, it's probably the first New Testament book that was written. Uh, I always thought, oh, they start with the Gospels, and then, I mean, that would, like, that's the storyline, and then Paul goes on his mission trips, and that's when they, the, you know, they've already written other stuff in the Bible, but in actuality, the Gospels hadn't been written yet, the book of Acts hadn't been written yet, and uh, Paul, he's on his second missionary journey, and uh, he was in Thessalonica, and he was only there for three Sabbath days, and then uh, people got jealous because in the synagogue, big crowds came to hear what Paul had to say, and people were getting jealous, and so they concocted it away to uh, create lots of pressure, and, and he kind of got chased out of town. So he was there for the most about four weeks, and he went down to Berea, and if you remember, Berea was the place where uh, they were really noble because they really checked out what Paul was saying, uh, but those rascals that were in Thessalonica, they come rumbling into town, into Berea, and they cause all kinds of trouble. It's amazing what jealousy will make people do. And uh, they make things hard for Paul. They kind of roust up the crowd, and they chase Paul out of Berea. <laughs> he eventually makes it to the city of Corinth, and uh, his helpers, uh, 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 Silas and Timothy, uh, he sent them on different places, and, and uh, we probably think that Silas was in 
uh, Thessalonica, and uh, Paul says, hey, I'm going to go to Athens, and we'll meet you there, and then after Athens, they get to, to Corinth, and they come back, and, and there's news from Thessalonica. His time there had been kind of cut short, and they had questions, and they had issues, and they, they definitely did not hear the full scope of everything that Paul wanted to share. So he's writing to his friends that he'd spent four weeks with, the Thessalonians, and every chapter in Thessalonians has a verse or two about the coming of Jesus a second time. Chapter 4 that we're going to look at has a very detailed account of what that will be like. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, this is what Paul said, and this is an answer to the questions that they had, and he's responding to some of the issues that they brought up, and he says to them, brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep, Uh, euphemism for those who have died. We don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Now, Paul is talking about the return of Jesus, and he says that when Jesus returns, all of those that you love that have passed on, they're with Jesus now. And when Jesus comes back, that whole gang is coming with him. I'm not sure what that's going to be like, but if it's Jesus coming back, that's good. (laughs) And uh, he goes on to give some more details of which only our imagination can give us the answers exactly what this is going to be like. So Jesus is coming back and he's bringing back all of those that have fallen asleep, aka died, Uh, they're coming with. And he goes on to say, In verse 16, according to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left till the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Loud command, voice of archangel, and a trumpet call of God. I don't know what that's going to be like. But it seems like it's going to be pretty obvious and loud. And then this is strange. And the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. I wonder what that would be like if you were at a cemetery. I don't know. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, I have, I have three goals this morning. First of all, uh, just like it says in those last uh, few words of this passage, I would like us all to feel encouraged as we think about the return of Jesus. Secondly, 
I would like us to not think about clouds in the same way ever again. And finally, uh, I, I would like us to understand that Jesus is going to do what Jesus is going to do, not necessarily what we think Jesus is going to do. We have this habit of trying to solve the puzzle of what Jesus is going to do. And we have all these pieces and bits of information that are throughout Scripture in terms of when is Jesus coming back, and uh, several have made wonderful attempts to put that together in some kind of cohesive, understandable way, but despite how we may have pieced that together or others that are more brilliant than us have put that together, I think that Jesus is going to do it the way that Jesus is going to do it, despite what we think he should have or could have or the way that we think it should happen. So, <clears throat> I want us to never think about clouds in the same way again. Uh, if we look at that passage that I just read in uh, verse 17, it says, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. In the clouds. Well, Good grief, and I want to call myself Mr. Sheeler because I've, I'm, I'm used to now calling, referring to myself as Mr. Sheeler as a teacher right now of sixth grade students. Uh, good grief, Mr. Sheeler. <laughs> What's the big deal about clouds? We live in the Northwest, and clouds are common. Oh, my friends, if you trace clouds in relationship to the coming of Jesus. Uh, seeing clouds from now on might be more enjoyable to you, uh, despite the fact that they bring rain. <laughs> rain is good. It nourishes our, uh, our earth and makes the plants green. But uh, if you trace this idea of clouds, in fact, if you go back to uh, Acts chapter 1, and uh, you're looking in Acts chapter 1, and, and Jesus has been with his disciples for a period of 40 days after his resurrection. And uh, in Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus is given them a, a last few things to talk about. You know, in, in verse 8, he says, I want you to be my witnesses, but you got to wait until you receive power. Uh, when you receive power, then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. And in verse 9 it says, After he said this, he was taken away before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, it's kind of like, I'd like to say just in our vernacular, hey guys, what are you doing looking up into the sky? That's what the two men said. This same Jesus that you saw go up, he's going to come back in the same way. Well, he went up until he was hidden in the cloud. So there's going to be some kind of a cloud or clouds when he returns and appears again. The same way that you saw him go, he will return. 
Go back to the Old Testament, to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. And uh, in Daniel chapter 7, Daniel is having this vision. And in this vision, in verse 13 and 14 of Daniel 7, it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. Now, son of man is a very common, in fact, it is the favorite reference that Jesus has when he is talking about himself. He doesn't refer to himself much as, I don't think he refers to himself at all as the son of God. He refers to himself as human, the the son of man. And uh, I looked, Daniel says, in my vision, and there was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. The identity is kind of clear right here, right? This is Jesus. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. How did he arrive? In the clouds. Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is in this chapter taking on the role of being a prophet. In chapter 24, he was asked, what will be the sign of the end of all things? And Jesus gives this long description of all kinds of things. But he says about himself, verses 30 and 31 of 24 of Matthew, At that time, the sign of the Son of Man, talking about himself, will appear in the sky, and all the nations on earth will mourn, because they'll realize what they had done. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds in the sky with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. Sounds like Thessalonians here. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. Later, after Jesus' arrest, and he is appearing uh, before the high priest, where Jesus remained silent, and it was kind of like frustrating. They're trying to get him to say something, to defend himself, to, to give an account to, you know, w- you know, why are these people so upset with you that you were to be arrested? But Jesus remained silent in verse 63 of chapter 26 of Matthew. And the high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Next verse, yes, it is as you say. Jesus finally says something. Jesus said, but I say to all of you, in the future you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One and coming on the clouds of heaven. So clouds are featured in the return of Jesus. So when we see clouds, instead of maybe being depressed, where is the sun? How come it's not a blue sky? We could say, oh, this is the manner in which Jesus is going to return. Let it be a reminder of you of the truth of the scripture and the reality that Jesus who came is indeed coming back. There is a uh, commercial that I'm a little bit entertained by. I'm kind of tired of. Uh, it's an outfit in Portland called Sky Heating. 
You guys familiar with that? They, they have a little jingle, and they, they'll do all kinds of different things, and at the end, they'll have a guy say, hey, look up. And when you look up, you see what? You see the sky. What do you remember when you see the sky? Of course, you remember us. Sky heating. <laughs> when you see the clouds, my friends, let it just be a moment in your heart where you say, oh, thanks, Lord, for that reminder. You're going to come back, Jesus. Uh, the clouds really demonstrate that. In fact, you'll see clouds more than you see rainbows. Uh, rainbows kind of happen in clouds, so if you get both, it's like, boom, you got like a double like whammied there by God. Uh, rainbows are a reminder that he would never flood the earth like he did before. Reminder of God's covenant, God's promise. But clouds, you're going to see a whole lot more of. Uh, let it be a reminder to you that Jesus will return in the manner in which he left. There is a, a parallel passage uh, to the Thessalonians passage that gives us just a little bit more light exactly, but not a full picture, but a little bit more detail about what's going to happen. In Thessalonians, we read that, that when Jesus returns, and this is it's a little bit confusing, says that those who have died are going to be with him. They're going to be coming with him. And if we're still alive when Jesus returns, those that are in the graves, they're going to go first before we go. Well, wait a minute. I thought the people who died, I thought they were with Jesus. Well, a good definition of death that if you follow Paul's uh, words, G, uh, Paul says that death is when you're absent from your body. When you leave your body, Paul says, you are immediately in the presence of God. So absence from the body means presence with the Lord. So your, 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 your real self that's in this case, your physical body, it leaves. This body is dead. And it uh, begins to fall apart even more than when you get old. <laughs> and when Jesus returns, he is bringing back everyone that has gone from their body to be with Jesus. They're all with him in that big gang that's coming back. And then it says that, that these bodies, somehow the substance of what's left, and in some cases there's not much left, is going to pop up in a moment, in a quick span of time, to get remade, and we're going to see this in this parallel passage, into a brand new body. And that brand new body, which I'm looking forward to that, that brand new body is going to be reunited with our true self, our spiritual self that's been with Jesus. And if we're alive during when this happens, we will not experience physical death we will be transformed into this brand new body. Now, why I say that? It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15 is all about the resurrection. Now, Paul talks about Jesus' resurrection, and he talks about Jesus. Jesus is the first fruits of many brothers and sisters. Jesus is the first one who has this brand new resurrection body. Now, if you think about his appearances, 
after his crucifixion, two brothers are walking to Emmaus, and they're like, downcast. And Jesus, who is resurrected, they don't recognize him. He kind of falls in step with them and says, hey, guys, why are you so down? And then they say, what, were you born under a rock? What's going on? You don't know what's happened? And they talk about how their Savior, Jesus, the, the, the one that they had been following, had been crucified. And Jesus, still not recognizable by these two guys, they're talking and Jesus is telling them from the Old Testament all the things that are true about the Savior of the world himself. And they're walking. They don't know who it is and they get finally to a place to stop and Jesus wants to go on and they say, no, 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 stay with us. And so Jesus stays with them and they get the meal ready and it's not until Jesus takes the bread and breaks it and says the blessing that they recognize who it is. Oh, that's Jesus! And right when they recognize him, what happens to Jesus? He's gone. In, in, a, in a closed room where the disciples are gathered, uh, Jesus all of a sudden is there in their midst. And then he's gone. Maybe some realities of our new bodies. If Jesus is the firstborn, the first one to have a resurrection, the first human being to have a resurrection body, the body that maybe Adam and Eve had before they fell, we're going to have that same body. Maybe we're going to have some properties and some abilities that we don't currently have. So in 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on and talks about the resurrection, and he talks about that the, the, our bodies or the body is like a seed that dies. And a seed that dies is planted in the ground, and it sprouts up something brand new. And Paul uses that metaphor to kind of talk about this, and he launches into this description in, uh, in verse 51, is where I'm going to start, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 51. Verse 51. Listen, I tell you a mystery. <laughs> we will not all sleep. In other words, we will not all die, but we will all be changed. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Sound familiar? For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable and we will be changed for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality then the saying that is written will come true death has been swallowed up in victory and he goes on to say, hey, death, where's your sting? Hey, death, you're not so bad because you've been destroyed. <laughs> Go back to Genesis 3, verse 15. They, they just sinned, and God is pronouncing judgment in verse 15 of Genesis. And basically he says uh, uh, to, uh, to, the, to the woman, or to, actually to the serpent, uh, the seed of the woman or it's someone who's descended from the woman, the seed of the woman is going to crush the serpent's head. Crush the serpent's head. And in the process is going to be wounded by the bite 
of the serpent on the heel. Where do snakes bite? Down low. What's the, what's the head of the serpent? It's the power that the serpent has over us that we have had ever since the curse. When Adam and Eve sinned, the serpent said, oh, you won't die if you eat this fruit. They didn't die immediately, but death entered into the world, and death is the power of the serpent over us. What did Jesus do in the resurrection? He crushed the head of the serpent. He took his life that was dead and gone, and he became alive again, purchasing for us glorious futures. This, uh, uh, this experience in my dream, I think right when I... <gasps> I was in the process, because I was still alive and Jesus was coming back. I think I was in the process of being changed in that twinkling of an eye. I think this perishable was in the midst, or, or right at the, at the threshold of putting on the imperishable. This, this mortality that I'm watching myself in the mirror. <laughs> this is the, not the new blonde, Todd. Used to be really blonde. Uh, This mortality is going to put on immortality. And those that are dead, they're going to come back with Jesus and they're going to get a a new body made and reunited. And then those of us that are alive, we're going to get caught up into the air. I don't know what that's like or exactly what that's going to, you know, how that's going to all play out. But it says it here. Now, there have been. Lots and lots of theologians and authors, Christian men and women with good hearts, that have put forward all kinds of ideas. And there's all these uh, different titles. There's the, the pre-tribulation and the post-tribulation and, and like the, the amillennialists and the dispensationalists and the covenant theology. I mean, there's all kinds of different ideas about studying this end times stuff. And uh, people say, my idea is the right one. No, no, no. No, my idea is the right one. And we have all these skirmishes about exactly how it's going to happen. That's not the point. <laughs> Jesus is going gonna, is gonna to come back. Jesus is going to come back. He was here. He did his thing on the cross, which was for us. He died, and he rose again, and the, he's not finished. He's going to return. We have a beautiful message of Easter Sunday morning. The resurrection. We have an opportunity to be out in the park on Saturday and and talk to people and say, hey, do you even believe that that Jesus died and that he came back to life again? You know, I've actually asked that question of people in Salem. They're willing to to ponder that with you. I mean, this idea that we're humans And in the story of the Bible, it says that Jesus died and then he rose again. Do you think that really happened? That's a great question to ask people, just to get a conversation going. We think it really happened. (laughs) We think that Jesus is going to come back. 
And, and he'll come back in the manner of his choosing. Doesn't matter what kind of theological way that we think it's going to occur. Jesus is coming back. And we need to be happy about that. Um, <clears throat> when Jesus entered, and here's my Palm Sunday reflection. When, when Jesus was entering Jerusalem and they're throwing down their palm branches and coats and people are saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And uh, people are talking about, oh yeah, the son of David, blessings, yay. What were they thinking? They were thinking that Jesus was going to go and establish a geopolitical Israel to have dominance once again. Are you going to restore the kingdom again? In fact, when Jesus, I think on Acts chapter 1 and verse 6, before Jesus said, go be my witnesses, in verse 6, the apostles say, hey, hey, Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom now? <laughs> they're, they're stuck, they're thinking, oh, Jesus, you're going to make Israel, you know, back the way that it was, back in our glory days. Yay, Jews. <laughs> I'm not sure how Jesus be so patient. That wasn't what Je that wasn't what, why Jesus came, and I'm glad that Jesus did what he did, despite what people thought he should do. Now, Jesus is going to come back, and just like people were like misunderstood or had different ideas about what that would look like, I'm certain that some of the ideas that we might have, or that our brothers and sisters might have, may not be exactly accurate. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. Therefore, Paul says at the end of the Thessalonians passage, encourage each other with these words. Uh, I'm going to end with uh, something you may have heard before. But when I was a teenager and I first started living my life for Jesus, um, one of the things on our campus, our high school campus, that uh, we kind of... I'm not sure who came up with it or if someone somewhere else came up with it. But uh, when we would say farewell to each other, um, we would add this phrase, uh, hey, I'll see you here, there, or in the air. <laughs> anybody heard that before? A couple people? Ah. So, my friends, I'm going to uh, finish my part here with you and uh, I'll say goodbye to you and all that, but I'll see you here, there, or in the air. God bless you guys.